Thursday Finance for our sponsor, Pritchard and & Partners. And Stephen Pritchard um, with us today, of course. Um, fire levies, we've been paying that with our insurance and there was some talk that there was going, it was going to be changed to be included with our rate payment. Yes, well, what happened is that uh, the fire levies were, were added onto your insurance policy and that money was supposed to be used to fund the fibre grade. Which, which also announced to somehow have been extended to emergency services. I don't, I don't quite know how that's happened, but anyway, so, so, and the state government raised the issue that it was only people who had insurance policies were paying the fire levy, and a more fairer way to do this was to add it onto the council rates notice. Of course, not everybody pays rates either, do they? No, not everyone pays rates, but. Um, but the idea was that there was more people who pays rates than there does insurance, and it was a fair way. Getting back to what you're saying, the really fair way would be to levy each person individually. That the, that the state government sent out a, 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 a levy notice to each each resident of New South Wales. That's the fair way. And it's onto the Medicare levy. Yes, yes, well. Well, yes. <laughs> we won't get the Medicare levy. No. Anyhow, so so this was all going along well, and the state government passed this legislation and promised everyone that they'd because it's been spread over uh, more people, um, everyone was going to be paying their fair share and, and, and you'd be paying less because we're raising the same amount of money and it's going to be spread over more people. Well, now what's happened, the first estimates have started to come out. So in Newcastle, the average person on their household insurance was paying $136 uh, per annum on the fire levy and you'd expect if it's being paid over more people to drop, now it goes to $177. And you're asking, well, why? that's only one example. In Sydney, there's a property company that was paying twenty-two thousand a year uh, under the fire levy, and under the new scheme, they were going to be paying close to a hundred thousand dollars a year. That is quite an increase. So one has to ask the question: If we're raising the same amount of money and it's being spread across more people, why is the levy actually going to go up? Now the premier said, "No, no, no, we're going to have to get." put this on hold now because if we've listened to what people said well you know if things were done properly to start with it would have been properly worked out to start with and it still doesn't address the issue if the same amount of money is being raised but over more people why is the amount of money increasing the maths don't work out so i think the premier needs to come out and tell us exactly how much they were raising and and provide us detailed estimates of why the amount's going up but in the meantime, we're back to where we were, so there's a whole lot of effort being made. The private sector's wasted a huge amount of money on changing systems. Councils probably have too. I assume the state government's going to reimburse Newcastle City Council for any additional costs. Um, and the private sector. <laughs> what do you think, Jane? We will watch this space, I think, as well. I don't think that anything will happen. You think it'll just stay no, as it was? Just stay as it was. Mm, okay. Waste a huge amount of money for so, no, to no point. Has there been a huge increase in commodities to account to uh, compensate? Well, there's been a bit of an increase in gold. Um, the gold was up uh, 2.16% for the week to $1,704. Um, the copper price was pretty much steady at $7,545 a tonne. And the oil price, the Brent crude oil price, was down by 4.8% to $68.80 in Australian dollars. Um, <coughs> the currency is the Australian dollar. The Australian dollar was down slightly on the week to uh, to seventy four point two seven cents as of um, last night, which was down point three percent against the US dollar. Uh, against the Great British Pound, we we're up one point three percent to fifty seven point six pence, and against the euro, we were down point six percent to sixty six point 
one euro cents. Mm-hmm. So pretty pretty much not much movement really. Yeah. Um, the the equities markets yes. where we the all ordinaries index we're further away from the magical six thousand. Oh, we've down, been dropping. We're dropping. We're down another one point one point one seven percent to five thousand seven hundred and sixty for the week. I did hear that May was a bad month for share prices. Um, yes, but I think that comes from the. From the from the Northern Territory, the Northern Hemisphere holiday season. There's this saying about sell in May and go away, and I I I think that means that we're coming up to the summer in the Northern Territories. So so you sell at the end of the spring and go on three months summer holidays. So I think it doesn't quite translate to the to the Southern Hemisphere. Mm, but there's okay. a lot of there's a lot of interesting things that are buried in history like that. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So um, the S and P five hundred um, that was pretty much stable for the week at two thousand four hundred eleven, and the UK FTSE index was pretty much stable again at five thousand five hundred nineteen this week compared to five compared to seven thousand five hundred nineteen this week compared to seven thousand five hundred seventeen last week. Right, uh, and a couple of local share yes. prices. Um, we've got BHP at twenty three dollars sixty eight, which was down three percent on the week. Uh, CBA um, seventy nine fifty two, which is down two percent on the week, and NIB, which was five dollars thirty four, which was down two point nine percent on the week, and Telstra, poor Telstra, was down another two percent on the week to four dollars and forty one cents. Below the five. Mm. It's been below the five for a while. Mm. Well should I be filling up with petrol? Well stage? it's the same price as last week basically. A dollar fifteen a litre, uh dollar thirteen point nine in Sydney, so no movement on that. Um the diesel price is down marginally to a dollar sixteen point seven in Newcastle and same in Sydney, a dollar twenty one point nine. So not a lot of movement in fuel prices. But we have the long weekend coming up in June. June. And it's now June. Yes. So it's not very far off. Next weekend. Yeah, weekend after this. Weekend after this. So we could expect some change in fuel prices on that Thursday. Oh, that's expect. your prediction. That could be our prediction. <laughs> we might we might even give a prize out for that. <laughs> what? If we're right, if who we're... gets the prize? Um, <laughs> you well, do. we'll need it to pay the fuel bill, so we will. We'll, have to, we'll have to keep that. Henry Jennings, I think, Stephen, has probably sold in May and gone away. Yes, he's away sunning himself for the next three weeks. So in the it's Northern just Hemisphere. basically you and me. Let's as the look te- at the market. As the temperature dropped to eight degrees here last night. Yes, Henry Jennings wasn't here to um, yes, that, <laughs> enjoy right. it. Well, Charter Hall is in the news at the moment, and they've bought Salamander Bay Shopping Centre. Yes, yeah, says Charter Hall's a big fund manager, a big property fund manager that's got a number of... Um, you know, property trusts and the, the major ones listed on their stock exchange. And so they've paid $174.5 million for the Salamander Bay Shopping Centre. Is that a good price? It's a very good price for the vendor, I would have thought. Uh-huh. So they've bought it on a 6% yield. So basically the the price of these big shopping centres has continued to, to increase as interest rates have fallen and, and people are trying to make up um, interest that they would have got from a bank term deposit. I mean, it wasn't so long ago that you'd get 5 or 6% on a term deposit at the bank with no risk, and people are now going to things what they perceive as not much risk um, or 
a little bit more risk than the term deposits such as large shopping centres. So they're around the 6%. But, but the problem with this, of course, if interest rates do go up, um, the value of these shopping centres will most probably fall. I mean, probably a couple of years ago, that place would have sold on an 8% yield. Mm-hmm. Okay, so. so just be careful about you know what you're going into here. If you're just chasing yield, you need to take account what may happen if interest rates mm. actually go back up. Will it work? Mm. Will it work? Now, Caltex's weren't they linked with uh, Woolworths? Yeah, Cal- as in petrol. Station. Yeah, Caltex. Caltex was the fuel supplier for um, Woolworths. Mm-hmm. Um, so they had the existing Caltex service stations, and then there was the Woolworths service stations. Which are, uh, do they have a specific name, or they were just Woolworths? fuel or something they, yeah. yeah anyhow caltex was supplied all the fuel to to war so we always decided to exit the service station business or the fuel business probably more correctly um some stage last year and and put up for sale the the various um outlets and the fuel supply well unfortunately for caltex bh B, BP, bp won that um bidding tender and so all the fuel that used to be supplied by caltex to the Woolworths service stations is now going to be supplied by bp so caltex has decided to try and make up for this lost revenue to to increase the number of um convenience outlets that they have in having their um service stations so so where you go down to the, the Woolworths when they saw you know bots of you know, box of cheese and, and ice cheese, cream, yeah. and, mm-hmm. um, and and the range seems to be slowly increasing. Um, Caltex is going to double the number of shops they've got also selling that. So these service stations are, are becoming a bit like the old corner store. So that's another one in that area. Um, now, superfoods for our next item: mushrooms and berries are the new superfoods. Ah, uh, well, mainly it may be mushrooms actually. Um, Costa Grip, which which if you go to the supermarket, you you know the last few years, all of a sudden, um, what's happened the last few years in the, in the supermarkets? There's been um, raspberries, which I particularly like, have, have suddenly appeared in great quantities, and you, you very rarely see them. They're also a great price; usually about seven dollars a. Yeah. High price at about so. Sometimes they're on special at four, but they're all coming out of Costa Group. And then um, Costa Group produces uh, those blueberries, the raspberries, uh, and they've now bought an avocado farm. But they're telling us they're saying they're putting an announcement out this week that's saying one of the growth things they've got is mushrooms. So mushrooms apparently become extremely popular and are now the new superfood. Mm-hmm. So they're expecting that um, the profits of the group's going to be buoyed along now because um, there's a developing shortage in mushrooms. And I suppose if there are more vegetarians, um, they, of course, usually go for mushrooms. Well, who'd have thought that? Only? I remember my grandmother used to go out and pick the mushrooms in the in the, the pack. I wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't be game, but these older people seem to they know knew. which mm. mushrooms you could eat and which mushrooms you were. Yes. Now, going into retail, David Jones and Myers seem to be holding mid-year clearance sales with vast reductions. Ah, yes. It's very, it's very tough in retail at the moment. You know, the, the, you know if you held any retail stocks um, listed on the market, they, they were all... They were all you know, being severely um, downgraded and punished and all sorts of things. So David Jones and Meyer, um, they, they've got mid-year sales. And I was over at David Jones the other week. Yep. And there's big price reductions, up to 50%. Um, apparently, they're experiencing the worst sales in the last five years. Yes. So what they're doing is trying to um, boost sales by 
um, having this mid-year clearance. Now, I remember when the mid-year clearance used to start um, shortly after the 30th of June, but the yes. mid-year clearance now seems to be rolled back to autumn. Yes, very much so. So we're we probably having the Christmas clearance in September instead of January. Well, that's not so, so funny either. <laughs> Stephen, we've got uh, Holly has rung in on 49216216. Uh, Holly, you've got a question about Westpac, have you? Uh, yes, hi. Um, I was just calling... My sister recently had a baby and I'd seen an ad for Westpac that they're currently giving money towards savings accounts for children. And I just wondered if you had any more information on that and how you go about doing it. Um, yeah, so Westpac, Westpac's, um, Westpac's 200 years old this year, so it's Australia's first bank and oldest company. And what they're doing to celebrate that, which I, which I think is quite interesting actually, is they're going to get every year, every child born in 2017 whose parents opened them an account at Westpac will be given a $200 starting deposit. Um, now I understand you need to, you can either do it online or go into the Westpac branch. Um, it's probably in my experience opening accounts is usually easier to go into the branch because they'll want some identification. Yep. So so you probably just need to open the account with five dollars or something and Westpac's gonna credit it with two hundred dollars. Now the catch is the catch is you can't take the two hundred dollars out to the child sixteen. Okay. So so it's really quite a clever a clever thing for Westpac what they're doing here, I believe, because what they're doing is they're giving out this $200. Um, they're going to lock these people in as, as hopefully customers for the next 16 years. And and when the child's 16 and gets his money, and presumably the parents and the grandparents will add some more money to it, um, Westpac's going to have all these new generation of customers coming along. It's a bit like what they used to do at the Commonwealth Bank when Jane was at school and they used to come around and put the 20 cents a week in the account. <laughs> and that, that kept a lot, a big customer base at the Commonwealth Bank for years. So Westpac's giving out $200 per, per child for any child born in 2017. So just go along to the Acre branch, tell them you've heard about it and ask to open the account. Thanks for your call. And you can put some money in there for your sister's child. <laughs> excellent, excellent. And looking now at Godfrey's, now they've downgraded their profit outlook. Is there a good reason for that? Well, Godfrey's, Godfrey's have, have gone through a bit of a tough time. You know, last year the, the profits were downgraded because they didn't stock the latest fashion item in vacuum cleaners, which, which I wasn't quite sure there was a fashion item. But, but anyhow, apparently these stick vacuum cleaners were the latest item last year. <laughs> and, and, and then this year they just seem to be caught in the general fall of retail sales. So Godfrey's... Um, downgrade their profit outlook uh, for the current year, tough trading conditions. And Godfrey's has got this shareholder who's 98 years old, so the company's going a bit tough, so he's decided to lend them $30 million on better terms than what the CBA's prepared to lend. So so that that's going to save them a bit of money, but but I think um, you know, it's just generally the business retail's tough. I mean, it has been yeah, hard. It's then. been hard. Uh -huh. yeah. And then... Car sales are the yep. same. The car sales, um, the car dealers, the, the three major listed car dealers, Auto Sports, which tends to deal in the uh, upmarket cars, and AP Eagers and Automotive Holdings, which have a number of um, franchises. Um, automotive hold, um, AP Eagers owns clusters in, in Newcastle, for example. So, that, so they've got the, you know, the the BMW, the Ford, the Hyundai, the VW, and, 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 and Mitsubishi. So they've got a large, wide section of cars. Now, they've all reported um, 
less car sales volumes, and as a result, their share prices have come off dramatically, um, between thirty and forty percent fall in the share prices of those companies. Okay, so those shares so, are down too. Yeah, so their shares are down too. I mean, you need to have a close look at those because some of those companies, some of those auto companies, are actually sitting on large land holdings, which does to a certain extent underpin the value of the of the, the value of the shares. But okay. but AP has said that they expect the car volume to bounce back in the next year or so, so we'll mm-hmm. see what happens there. Yes, we will. Now, um, hoping to join listed companies on the ASX is Red Rooster. Yeah, Red Rooster's uh, the holding company for Red Rooster, which is uh, a quick QSA quick service restaurants, mm-hmm. um, is proposing to list on the ASX. So that will be good to have another food stock um, list on the ASX because there's not that many of those type of things. So they're a, they're a competitor with uh, Collins Foods, which owns a number of the um, KFC franchises. Mm-hmm. And our friends at the banks. Oh, uh, banks. The banks yeah. are, you know, stepping up the campaign against the uh, against the bank proposed levy, saying that there's all this doom and gloom going to come about if they have to pay a 0.006% levy on their uh, liabilities. So, they don't want to do it. Well, of course they don't want to do it. They're <laughs> saying that it's going to be passed on to the home loans and the depositors and the shareholders. I mean, we're talking about um, 0.6 or $100 or something, some. Mm. My, okay. Some minute amount of money, um, and Focus Focus Communications. So Focus Communications is uh, under pressure. The, the number of institutional investors have approached the chairman allegedly, and saying that the CEO should be replaced. Um, it's had uh, two or three profit downgrades, and as a consequence, the share price has fallen from nine dollars forty one last May to uh, two dollars ninety six mm, on Tuesday this week. Mm. Um, I didn't have a chance to look up today, so so. No wonder people are unhappy there. And, William, you've got a question about the Hunter United Credit Union, yes? Yes, I believe last week that uh, both Mr Pritchard and also Mr Jennings were talking about the uh, Hunter United Credit Union who were uh, thinking of joining with another organisation and you were saying that it was a bad thing and I'd like to know why it was so. Well, I, I don't think Mr. Jennings was talking about that. I think it was, I think it was me. Um, I, I just don't see what the members are getting getting out of it. You've got a locally owned institution, um, and, and it's going to effectively the members' reserves are going to be handed over to another institution that's not locally based, and and what will then happen is. Um, There'll be employment losses because all the administrative functions will move out of the region. Oh yeah, they'll they'll give a guarantee of jobs for two or three years. I'm sure they'll do that. But uh, but after that, what's going to happen? You're going to if you're a member of that, you're just going to hand the twenty million reserves across to someone else. You'd be better off if you're a member of that. You'd be better off pushing the board to demutualise it. And I think I, I think what mm-hmm. one of the problems, uh, as I understood it, was that the membership of the uh, Hunter United has fallen quite dramatically. Uh, well, why is that? Well, I believe that there's been a lot. It uh, originally was uh, part of the uh, BHP, and uh, there was a lot of members that joined from BHP, and they've now fallen off the perch, and they're just not uh, gaining new membership. Well, well, that's fine, but there's still no reason why you'd hand the reserves over that belong in this region to, to some company outside of the region. The answer is still to demutualise this thing. You know, give that money back to the members, and then... When then you, it, 
than, than if someone else... When you else... say demutualise dem the thing, what do you mean by that? Well, well, at, at the moment, the Hunter United Credit Union will be a company limited by guarantee. What you need to do is convert it to a company limited by shares. And what would, that would mean is you divide up the, the reserves, which I understand is about $20 million, and there's about 9,000 members there. So you'd each issue each member with about $2,000 worth of reserves, uh, with its shares. And that would work the same way the NIB exactly, did. Exactly the same way as the NIB did. And the NRMA did. And the NRMA did. Yeah, yeah exactly the same way. So what's going to happen now, the members are going to just uh, transfer uh, all those reserves will just go to Beyond Bank and the members will just be a customer of Beyond Bank. And that money that could have been kept in the region will just be transferred out of the region and the jobs will, will, that the in-head office will just be lost. Now, if, if, if the credit union has lost members, as you're saying, um, there's plenty of other local institutions that are actually gaining, mutual institutions that are actually gaining members. I, I think perhaps you probably need to look to the management. And if you're a member, you need to be asking the management what it's done to replace the members that it's lost. You, you know, you shouldn't be just giving up, which is what it sounds like to me. And if the board of the credit unions feels they need to give up, perhaps they should step aside and let some other members. I'm sure if you've got 9,000 members there, which is what it said when the last time I had a look at the annual report, there's some other people in that organisation who can step forward and take on those positions. Now, William, does that answer your question? It certainly does. <laughs> so I'll see you'll be standing with him. <laughs> standing for the board. It, it is, I mean, we do all have the opportunity to take part in, yep. in the running of our, yep. our interests, don't but, we? But, but, you know, you've got two or three, three local mutual financial services organisations that are just getting bigger and bigger. And if it's one's falling back, like you're saying, you need to be looking at the management and particularly the board of directors. That's where the problem lies. Ah, William, you'll be up for chairman of the board, I can see. Well, you know, ask the questions. Yeah. Ask, the, ask them. Ask them, has the board investigated demutualisation? Preparing to buy a home. Um, there are a lot of things to take into account, aren't there? What's the first? Well, I thought we'd just cover off this on generally because a lot of people talk about housing affordability, um, but a lot of people just seem to think they can wander into the, the bank or something and, and get a loan to to buy the house and you know, really they've got to do a bit of preparation here yep. so the first thing is you need to start saving for a deposit as early as you can it can take a long time to save for a deposit now with house prices going up and up and up um, if you want a 20% deposit and you're buying a $500,000 house you've got to save $100,000 so that that's a lot of money um, yeah, some of the building societies will lend you up to 95% but that's still that's still um, a $25,000 you have to save. Mm. And then on top of that, you need to pay for the stamp duty, which which is, you know, yes. not $20,000, isn't unusual anymore, and, and your legals and your insurance when you buy it. Yep. So you need to think about, do a budget, how much you need to, to save, start saving for your deposit and start saving for your deposit as early as you can. And, and and you need to look at your financial situations. Yeah. Um, in the old, you know, 20 or 30 years ago, people used to buy one house. They'd pay that off and then they'd upgrade to a, another house. People these days seem to want these big four- and five-bedroom houses, which I think is one of the issues to do with housing affordability. The houses people are trying to get are a lot bigger than what they were 
previously. And you need to look at your current financial situation. So to save the deposit, you're probably going to have to make some sacrifices. But as we've spoken about before, we're using our, our cappuccino our cappuccino yes. cup measure. Um, you know, small sacrifices can add up to big money. I mean, if you if you if you if you have one less cappuccino a day, and everyone seems to be drinking multiple amounts of coffee, judging by the every time I turn around, there's a new coffee shop open. So there must be getting customers from somewhere. And it's you know, coffees are now four to five dollars, and so one cup of coffee every workday is twenty dollars a week, which is a thousand and forty dollars a year. So, so just by just by instead of having two cappuccinos a day, you cut back to one and put that money in your account. You'll you will save a thousand and forty dollars a year towards your house deposit. So, one of the things you need to think about, I suppose, is if you find the house of your dreams, um, what do you do then? You've got to get approval for finance. Yeah. So, I I would suggest that what you need to do is right back at the beginning, you go and talk to your your local. Uh, Bank, building society, or credit union, or whoever whoever you whoever you use, and and and, and maybe two of them, um, they'll all have lending guidelines, and the lending guidelines will be based on on basically what your income is. So if you go along to the if you go along to the um, your, your financial institution, and you know you need to take what your current salary is, and they will be able to tell you approximately what they will lend you. So that will give you some idea what you can afford. Now, various institutions will have different lending criteria, so I'd go to more than one. Once you've got um, what they will lend you, the difference between... um, the 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 price that this dream house you want to buy and what the institution will lend you on your on your uh, salary base is what you're going to have to accumulate as your deposit somewhere along the line. Somewhere along the line. Any other things um, briefly to consider? Um, yeah, you need to think about what you what you're going to do. How long how long you're going to stay in the house? As I said to you previously, people used to start off with a smaller house or a smaller home and upgrade to a large one as they as they went along. Um, that's a consideration. Um, is the, is the property actually going to be suitable for you? Does it suit your lifestyle? Now, if you're one of the people who likes to go into Derby Street for breakfast of a Saturday or a Sunday or whatever, um, probably living out at Cameron Hills not going to suit you. But if but if you're one of the people who like to live out in in the country type area and don't hate Derby Street or Hamilton or wherever, uh, living out at Cameron Hill probably will suit you. So, so you need think to think about those things. You need to think about those things where you live, how long it's going to take you to get to work, and take all those intangibles into consideration as well. All sounds good, preparing to buy a home, and that is Thursday Finance for today. Thank you, Stephen Pritchard. Thanks, Jane. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.